So good morning again. Thank you all for being here and thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak to you. I want to talk to you about responding to our circumstances. Circumstances as defined here, events or facts or maybe conditions that contribute to something that happens, usually something negative. And our example here, circumstances prevented us from arriving on time. That happens a lot, as I'm sure everybody's aware of. These circumstances could be traffic or weather or any number of things. Some circumstances we can control, like if I speed and get a ticket, well, that's my fault. Then I've been delayed due to my own, well, I'll call it stupidity, because if I did that, that's pretty dumb. But anyway, other circumstances, other factors are beyond our control, such as the weather, different things of that nature. So we can't control every circumstance in our life, but we do control how we respond to it. And that is our responsibility. And with this in mind, I'd like to look at Joseph and some of the events in his life as an example. If we look at Genesis chapter 37 verses, now I'm going to be in Genesis like chapters 37 to 42. I'm not going to go anywhere out of Joseph's story. So there's not going to be any weird stuff. If you can't read what's up here on the screen, just, you know, open up your Bible. We're going to be right there in that area. But anyway, Genesis chapter 37, 1 through 11, I did split this into two screens. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, you notice we automatically just jump to Joseph. We say this is the history of Jacob, but we're going to jump to Joseph, and I just find that humorous, that's all. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. In looking up this bad reports, the two words used there make it look like it's evil slander that he brought to his dad. Now, whether or not what he was saying was true or not, whether it was slander, his motive appears to have been one of, you know, a negative motive. He was bringing bad news about them to get them into trouble. If you've ever had a younger sibling, you may have experienced this. I certainly did. Now, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There, let's see, <clears throat> there, we, were, there we were binding sheaves in the field, then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. 
I think the way he was presenting this dream to them was a little, again, he was being a little prideful, maybe being a little mocking, maybe saying, I'm going to be over you. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept this matter in mind, kept the matter in mind. So here we see the circumstances and their responses to these things. But we want to look a little further in depth at this, and we'll start with Jacob. Now, Jacob, his circumstances are that he was forced into marrying Rachel's sister Leah. She was not who he was really after. And then Joseph was his the son of his old age from his favorite wife, Rachel, who we know did not have any children until Joseph. These were circumstances in his life, things that he really had no control over. But his response to these circumstances, he chose to have a lot of children with Leah and Bilhah and Zilpah and basically had four wives. And then he chose to favor Joseph in very obvious ways. He made it very apparent by giving him a special tunic to wear. He made it very apparent that Joseph was his favorite. And the results of this was it created strife and hate and envy in the family. If we look at Joseph's brothers, and these circumstances are all going to relate to Joseph as we see here, what well, he gave an evil report or bad report about them. They saw that Joseph was favored by their father. Joseph's dreams, the way he presented them, his words, maybe his tone, his attitude when he presented these to them, and their response to him. They chose to hate Joseph and they envied him and they chose, it says they couldn't speak peaceably to him, but we know that you can always speak peaceably to someone. So he chose, they chose not to speak peaceably to him. And their hearts, through this, their hearts were hardened towards Joseph. And then if we look at Joseph, now Joseph, to be fair, he's young. He's about 17. He was the favored son. He had that special tunic. Maybe he was a little, you know, on the spoiled side. He had these visions of his family bowing down to him. Did he know they were truly prophetic at the time, the way he talked about them? I think probably he thought they were. But you'll notice his response and to his circumstances, and you'll notice that he, he did work for the family. It is mentioned back in verse 2 that he did work, such as feeding the flock, and even he mentions working with them, with the sheaves. So it's not like he was a layabout or he was so favored that he did nothing. But he did choose to bring a bad report about his brothers back to his father. And he did choose to reveal his visions. And the things about revealing his vision is the way he revealed them. What was his attitude towards his brothers when he revealed these things? Was he 
doing that again in a prideful or, or mocking manner. Manner, If you remember, even his father rebuked him. Anyway, so his brothers, the results of this was his brothers hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And these are the circumstances we have when Jacob later sends Joseph to check on his brothers and the animals. And we see the ultimate results of that. At that time, his brothers have an opportunity to kill him. And they talk seriously about doing it. And only Reuben talks them out of killing him and just getting rid of him. So instead, they sell him as a slave. But they fake his death and they convince Jacob that Joseph is dead. And Reuben goes along with that. Imagine the consequences of selling off your younger brother to be a slave, the guilt and the shame that that would entail, knowing that most likely he would die of hard labor in a foreign land by himself. Years later, they do speak of this in Genesis 42, verse 21, and they're actually in front of Joseph, but they don't know it's Joseph yet, and they don't know he understands. Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Now imagine your 17-year-old younger brother. He's pleading with you not to sell him. He's begging you, probably crying for his life. He's terrified. No doubt anyone with a conscience this would bother you for years, years later. Uh, it would, I don't know that you would ever forget that. So for Joseph's brothers, this becomes a lesson to be learned. When we wrong others, we hurt ourselves as well. When, and we will, we will have to face the things we've done. At some point in our life, we will need to face those things. We can't let jealousy and envy burn and run us. It can cause you to do horrible things. And they ruined Joseph's life. Now, yes, God turned all that into a blessing for Joseph and actually for their whole family, even them. But their part and their intent here was wrong. God made this a good thing despite their actions, not because of their actions. So far, these examples are really of how not to respond to circumstances. But if anyone learned from this, it was Joseph. How humbled he must have been to be sold like that, going from being the favored son to being a slave to whoever, frightened and alone in a foreign land. And see how Joseph responds to his circumstances. If we look at Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 6, and it's the most of verse 6, but I left a little bit off on the end. Now Joseph had, taken, had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. 
And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. So if we look here at Joseph's circumstances, he's young, he's about 17. I'm assuming not too much time has passed. He could be 18, I suppose. But he's, he's a slave. He's bought by a stranger. He's in a foreign land by himself. But his response, his response to these things is he chose to stay faithful to God. He chose to work and take advantage of the opportunities the Lord provided him. And the Lord blessed him and made him successful. But you can't be successful if you don't make effort. So we know that he actually did work and take advantage of these things. He became second only to Potiphar in that, in that house. And Potiphar was the, was the guy that owned the house. So. But there's more to the story. If we look at Genesis chapter 39, and this is the rest of verse 6 down through verse 9. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. You know, she's batting those eyelashes and saying, woo, come on. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So we look here at Joseph and his circumstances again. He's still a slave. Maybe that's why she thought she could get him to do whatever she wanted. He's still alone in a foreign land. Now he is in charge of all that Potiphar has because of his work and because he was blessed by the Lord. He was handsome. I guess that was just a good circumstance for him. Potiphar's wife was attracted to him. This was not necessarily a good thing. But his response, he chose to remain faithful to God, and he chose to remain loyal to Potiphar. Notice that he remained loyal and faithful to really both masters, both his heavenly master and the guy that he was reporting to here on earth. And the results are, God is with him. However, Potiphar's wife still pursues him, and then in anger has him put in prison. Sometimes the results are not fair. Sometimes we do the right thing and we seem to get punished for it, at least temporarily. We see Potiphar's wife causes Joseph trouble, even though he acted correctly, and she accuses him and basically fabricates evidence and, and has him put in prison. 
But that's not the end. We look at Genesis chapter 39, verses 20 through 23. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Sounds very similar to when he went into Potiphar's house, doesn't it? So Joseph, his circumstances here, he's probably in his mid to late 20s, some time has passed. He's still a slave. He's still alone in a foreign country. Now he's wrongfully imprisoned. But he chooses still to remain faithful to God. You can tell because God was still blessing him. He chooses again to work and continue to take advantage of whatever opportunities he has. And the Lord is with him, and he's put in charge of all the prisoners. He's put in charge of the other prisoners. Now, say Joseph was alone because he didn't have any family there. Of course, he had God. And if God is real to you, then you're never really alone. But still, he didn't have any family there. So here we come to another event in Joseph's life. Genesis chapter 40 verses 1 through 8. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the king of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning, and he looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter to, of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. So again, if we look at Joseph's circumstances here, he's still somewhere in his mid to late 20s. He's still a slave. He's still alone in a foreign country. Now he's still wrongfully imprisoned. We're not exactly sure how long at this point. He is in charge of the other prisoners. He chose to be watchful in his duties. You'll notice he, he paid attention. He was supposed to be over these guys and take care of these guys, and he he notices that they're sad. You know, he could have been indifferent to them. He could have been wrapped up in himself, but he wasn't. And he chose to be compassionate and try to help them. 
And the results were mixed, admittedly. The baker was executed, and the butler was restored to his position. Now for Joseph, nothing happened, not immediately. But we need to realize these two guys, these two men, they are actually important in Pharaoh's household. He wasn't just a butler, he was like the chief butler. So he was like the steward running the household, and he was very close to Pharaoh and the family. And the baker wasn't just a baker, he was the chief baker. So he was responsible for food for Pharaoh and the family. And both of these are positions of great trust, where you could easily betray or possibly kill some of the family. And we know from history that that was a real threat to a lot of rulers. So, <clears throat> now Joseph, again, was imprisoned wrongly. He shouldn't have been there. He could have been indifferent to them. He could have just gone about doing his job, but he was concerned for them. He asked about their trouble and tried to help them. And he did give them, you know, the interpretation from God of their dreams. Now, this actually works in Joseph's favor later when the butler remembers him and the interpretation of their dreams. When Pharaoh has a dream and he doesn't understand it and he's asking for some sort of interpretation. If you look at Genesis chapter 41, verses 12 through 16, this is the butler speaking and this is where he finally remembers Joseph. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. So he's just confirming that what God, the interpretation God gave through Joseph was correct. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So if we look at Joseph's circumstances now, he's about 30 years old. It's mentioned in a, a verse further along that he's 30 years old when he stands in front of uh, Pharaoh. He's still a slave. He's still alone without family in, his, in this foreign country. Still wrongfully imprisoned. We're not sure how long, but we do know that the butler forgot about him for over two years. So he's been in prison for over two years. He is in charge of you know, the other prisoners, and, and being in charge is largely a service, uh, kind of being in service to them, helping them in a lot of ways when you're in charge. It's not always that you get to order everybody around. But nonetheless, he's finally called to see Pharaoh, and he chooses, again, to give God the credit for the interpretation. He chooses to share the interpretation the knowledge and the wisdom, rather than withholding that. He could have responded differently. He could have asked God, knowing that there was going to be this great famine, to just let them all die. I mean, you could understand it from a human perspective, but he didn't do that. And you can see his results 
In Genesis chapter 41, verses 39 through 44. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, bowed the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh, Pharaoh was really stressing that he was giving all authority to Joseph except for himself. He would be the only one over Joseph. That's why he gave him the signet ring so that he would have all that authority. Now, verse 46, this is where it is. Uh, it says Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. He'd been enslaved here since he was about 17. He'd been wrongly imprisoned for over two years. We're not exactly sure how long. But Joseph learned a lot in these years. And sometimes we grow the most in hard circumstances. We all need to escape our dungeon of our old lives, our maybe our sins, our old circumstances, but we need to make sure we don't imprison ourselves with resentment and bitterness over circumstances in our lives. We just never know what opportunity God is going to bless us with. Even when we are in hard times and are tempted to focus on our own misery, we need to trust God and look to help others. In helping others, we might be helping ourselves. And remember, it's not the circumstances that determine our results. It's our faith in God and our response to our situation that produces our output. Joseph continued to follow God through these circumstances. Even when things went from bad to worse, even when through no fault of his own, things went bad, he continued to work at whatever opportunities he had. He took the opportunities that the Lord gave him. We can't control everything in our lives, but we can choose how we respond to those things. We can trust and believe that if we are faithful to God, he will be faithful to us. If anyone here would need help with any circumstance in life, whether it's something we've created for ourselves or something that's just happened, you know, God wants to help you and bless you in any circumstance. And if you need that help, please come forward as we stand and sing.